calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. Hey everyone, welcome back to Les Hangout, the podcast that you may have heard likes to burst randomly into song. <laughs> we do every love now that. and then. <laughs> Sometimes. Here and there when the when the mood strikes us. From the West Coast, I'm Lee Holmes Foster. And from the East Coast, I'm Ellie Brigida. To those of you who have been with us through this whole journey, thank you as always for listening. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're excited to have you here. Here's what's happening this week. This week in the Lesdom. This Week in the Lesdom is a place we can touch base each episode about things going on with the podcast or otherwise. And if you haven't heard... We are writing a musical, and we are in the final stages of our crowd campaign right now. The countdown is going down. It's our final month. So if you've been waiting to donate, please, 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 today the is the day. Bit.ly slash The Flame The Musical to help us make this thing a reality. We are so excited also to be coming out with some of our final casting announcements. And this week, you may have seen, we just announced the voice of our narrator, the glue holding our little show together. Uh, and so we are thrilled to announce Harrison Killian White, who has just an impressive number of credits. So you have probably heard him or seen him in movies, on soundtracks, in commercial spots. He has been in all sorts of TV shows and also, you know, Maybe in a little series called Venice uh, that some of us may be familiar oh, with. Oh, yeah. So- we are just thrilled to be working with Harrison. He is going to be such a great narrator for us, and we can't wait for you all to hear him. Again, if you want to help make that possible, bit.ly slash the flame the musical. I wanted to talk this week about an article that I found that um, I feel like solidifies the fact that I am a millennial, but I'm really trying to stay hip with the kids. Why do LGBTQ women ask each other, do you know Girl in Red? And my question <laughs> to you, Lee, is do you know Girl in Red? If you ask me, the answer is TikTok. That's what I exactly know more than anything else. <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, OK, and I just think this is hilarious because someone that I know literally came out to me by asking me if I listen if I listen to Girl in Red. 
<laughs> and I was like, of course. I was, well, actually, I'm like, number one, I don't really listen to Girl in Red. But like, why are you asking? And so we're both just like going back and forth being like, do you? Do you? Do you listen to Girl? Were you were you reenacting that TikTok yeah. of like, are you are, are you, you gay? Yes, are I'm you? a gay bitch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, for all of our listeners out there who are like, how do I figure out if a girl's gay? All you have to do is ask, do you know Girl in Red? And if they do, they are. If they don't, they also could be. They're just not on TikTok, and that's yes, okay. Yes, that is very possible. Like one hundred percent, I know many many queer people that if I asked them, that would be like, "What are you talking about?" Yes, and who is this? So here is my suggestion: first, you ask, "Do you know Girl in Red?" And if they're older, you say, "Do you know Tegan and Sarah?" <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much the same question. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yes, I love it. Also, I'm wearing red today, so I feel very on theme. You are. You are. I also would like to talk about a new show that I've been getting into. It's called The Boys on Amazon. And it's a really interesting concept in general. It's like turning the superhero trope all on its head. The superheroes are actually pretty horrible people for the most part. They're like monetized and corporatized and, you know, basically like if Marvel actors actually had superpowers. But the thing that I do like about it as well, they have a gay character And in my opinion, actually really cool bisexual representation because so Queen Maeve is like the, I guess, Wonder Woman character and she's bisexual, which shout out to having a Wonder Woman who's bisexual. And there's a whole love story between her and a lesbian woman and the lesbian woman who she's with is constantly correcting the like media team who's like basically like Maeve. Mave rainbow everything right like you're our lesbian lesbian thing and she's like actually she's bisexual and so i really love that like there's this they're sort of playing around with it i thought it was really well done so if you stand a bicon yeah exactly and queen Mave is amazing i honestly want to dress up as her at some point she has she's a redhead so like any redhead characters that are bisexual like give them to me i'll do it peer pressure but yeah if you haven't checked that out make sure you watch that show because gay rep and it's also just a cool show that's what's happening this week back to you ellie and lee this episode is sponsored by golden gaze b&b that is g-a-z-e but also there's an implied y in there um (laughs) (laughs) they're aiming to bring the vacation of your dreams to life by being a queer and black owned sustainable accessible and dynamically inclusive bed and breakfast built in the picturesque mountains of golden bc canada i don't know about you but that sounds amazing if you want to know what that means here are some of the highlights of what they'll be featuring farm to table foods grown on site and locally eco-centered amenities such as a sauna private lake fire pits and a yoga meditation sanctuary They will have on-site personal and or relationship coaching. They are cannabis friendly, which we appreciate. (laughs) They are all body types and all relationship types affirming. They're also in a unique dome-shaped earth-covered cabins. Picture a chic hobbit hole. I love that that's actually what they wrote in the description for this ad. And now (laughs) I'm just in my mind picturing this like super upscale hobbit hole. And it's actually amazing. So yeah. I'm really looking forward yeah. to, to going here. Yeah. And last but certainly not least, they are rooted in equity and justice values. Does that sound dreamy to anyone but me? Because it sounds very dreamy to me. Well, it is. Golden Gaze is still in the concept phase and it isn't built yet as they're currently running an Indiegogo campaign to raise the seed funding to build it. 
Their campaign is all or nothing, meaning if they don't reach their funding goal, all of those funds are going to get returned to the backers. But it's possible to do if just 340 more people pre-booked a future vacation with them. And I know we have 340 people in this audience. You are one of those 340 who wants to book a vacation with them. They have just until November 15th to make it happen. So if you can check out their Indiegogo campaign and even lend a dollar to help boost their backer numbers to impress a bank, they'd love to host many of you in the future for years and years to come. They are giving away some free vacations on their Instagram until the end of the campaign, so check out their page. It is at GoldenGazeBNB. That is G-A-Z-E-B-N-B. And if spaces like Golden Gaze BNB are what you'd like to see more of in the world, then you should lend them some support and help them get there. So head over to GoldenGazeBNB.com and hit book now to book your stay on Indiegogo. Let's hang out. Thanks, Ellie and Lee. We are so excited to bring you episode five of season four, The Thegator with Heather the Reed. <laughs> it works if you just say it pretentiously, right? I love it. I love oh, it. are you going to the of, Thegator? Do you know um, from, what is it, from White Christmas? The theater, the theater. <laughs> yes, my favorite movie. The Thegator, the Thegator. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and Heather, thank you so much for being here with us. Okay, I didn't know if I should chime in, but then I was going to say, is it the theater with a T-R-E or the theater with a T-E-R? Oh, you oh, know? T-R-E, I feel like, is the more pretentious one, so that's yeah, what we're going to Let's go stick with. with that, for sure. Yeah, okay, okay. Good. So we're, <laughs> this is going to be a great a great podcast, for sure. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're the T-R-E, then yes. you, you belong here. Yeah. Okay. Whew. There you go. <laughs> Um, Heather, we're gonna we're gonna give you a little mini bio for anyone who isn't familiar with your extensive history already as a lesbian icon, songwriter, musician, composer, half of the murmurs. You're currently working on not one, but two musicals. Basically you've done it all, and we wanna talk all about it. I'm happy to talk about it. <laughs> Thank you so much. I can't wait. Let's get going. Why don't you, Heather, just tell our audience a little bit more about you and your career? I know that's a huge question, but how about if we start with your time with the Murmurs? Okay. Oh, my gosh. Well, that was a long time ago, but it feels like yesterday. And um, I always describe that time in my life as the fabric of, like, I'm a quilt, and that's, like, a huge part of who I am and and what's made me who I am today. We just, I was in a band called The Murmurs. We got signed in the early 90s when we were 23, and it was a whirlwind. Um, we got signed by MCA Records, and it was, we'd already put out an independent record, but um, getting that big record deal was huge and so much fun, and we started as an acoustic duo, through the course of time and through the different um, artists that we would open for, we we wanted to oh, we always wanted to be like the people we were opening for. And at one point, we were opening for the band Bush. I tell this story sometimes, like in certain places where we were on the radio, we were just as popular as they were. Like the kids that were like filling the clubs were were there to see both of us. And in other places, in other regions across the country, where we weren't on the radio the kids were throwing dip cans at us. So, oh my God. <laughs> so nice. we were just like the two of us with our acoustic guitars. There were a couple of times where I came off stage crying. Well, yeah, with our acoustic guitars and we, our single was called You Suck. 
And um, <laughs> so, you know, they would, you know, shout profanities at us and be like, oh, yeah, well, this next song goes out to you. You suck. And, you know, we just be pounding our guitars. So anyway, that leads me to a little bit down into the future for the story, like into the late 90s when we moved to Los Angeles. And Sleater Kinney was like super popular. And there were all these kind of like right girl bands in LA, like Longstocking and a bunch of other. But we decided we needed to like plug in. So that's when we, you know, kind of put a band together and became more electric and like kind of surf pop a little bit. No matter what we did and no matter how we how hard we tried to like be edgy, we're just kind of like pop girls. Like we could not get away from it. We could we can, you know, surround it with the grungy guitars, but at the heart of it, like we're pop writers. Um, yeah. And that's just how it progressed. But it was a great, great journey um, being a murmur. And I'll hand it off to you to see what you want to ask next. I love you saying that, though, because it's as part of the podcast, like we started bringing music in actually with some of the episodes that we do. We, we talk about like actually queer movies and stuff. And we started writing original songs for them. And it's funny because I feel like no matter how hard I try to write anything else, everything always comes out musical theater, like no matter what I do. <laughs> it's just I feel like your you soul. Can't, sometimes <laughs> you just can't stray too far, you know, from what's in there. So it's good. I'm glad it's not just me. I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just you. And I'm getting that, too right now it's like um for my new song um it's called right here right now and a, lo a lot of people have been like oh it's got such a musical theater tone to it and really i mean that was not the intention i mean i just i was just writing a song for my heart and i guess my i too am now putting out musical theater songs even in my pop work your heart belongs to the theater it does <laughs> t-r-e theater i love it so we have been told that your lifelong dream is to get a show on Broadway. Yes. So when did you first realize your love for musical theater? Well, it happened when I saw Annie, I think in the 70s or early 80s. I don't know. I was very little, very little. But I saw Annie on Broadway. And it was from that minute on that I wanted to be on Broadway. Um, and I was, you know, in high school, I would audition for all the musicals. I did not get any leads, but I was always in the chorus, but I showed up. I showed up. Were you the person in the chorus who was all, always pulling focus? Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love those people. Was that you, Ellie? Was, was that you? Um, no, Lee. I was the lead, but... Oh, okay. oh, right. oh, oh, oh right. one of those. The one that always gets the leads. Okay. But. Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I was very dutiful. I am still kind of a dutiful person. And I just, I just showed up, you know, to every single rehearsal for the two scenes that I was in. It was just, that's just who I am. <laughs> I love it. Ellie, what, what was your start? Because, you know, we've never actually talked about the roots of the musical theater love for the two of us. What, what, what oh, was your, me? like, yeah, what was your intro to... So to the the Broadway I actually musical played and I played Annie. Oh, I'm, so, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, of course. I have to go on Broadway. No, I'm just kidding. It was not on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> In this like dink, you know, like little community theater, like don't put basement it down. of the church. At, at age what? Age what? Um, in second grade. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was like my start, and I was obsessed ever since. I stayed in that same like children's theater till high school. I was the most annoying theater kid. Like, I just lived and breathed it. But yeah, I started as Annie. I still have the video. If I can, like... We are, I don't we're going to find a way to get a clip of that yeah, on, I don't like, know how our to, like, Insta or something. Get a VHS tape digitally. 
but I'll figure and it out. And if you want, Heather, we'll just, like, virtually, like, Photoshop you into the, the chorus in the background or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It'll be great. Honestly, you would love that. Um, but But in terms of, like, watching a musical... The first musical I ever saw was Annie Get Your Gun on Broadway. Wow. And to be honest, this is horrible, but I was young and I fell asleep. (laughs) I remember falling asleep, but I still loved musical theater. I think I was just tired that night. But the one show that I I saw- I mean, shows go late, right? Yeah. The one show that I saw on Broadway that like really lit a fire in me and I ended up seeing it like seven times was Rent. Mm Mm-hmm. Ah. God, I love that show. It's just, it's just, it just speak like, I think the movie had come out. And so I saw the movie a bunch and I was like, I have to see this live. And I live in Boston. So I took a bus with my, this was in eighth grade. I took a bus with my eighth grade boyfriend and his mom. <laughs> and they took me to go see Rent. Back back in the olden days, huh? <laughs> yeah, way back when there was a boyfriend. Okay. Oh my gosh. Taking it taking it way, way, way back. back. I love that. And I love the musical Rent. I mean, it's just one of, for me, it's one of the greats. And it, there are so many amazing, touching songs in there. And in that show, it's fantastic. Well, and I'm curious, because I'm, I'm assuming, like, for you, Ellie, probably even, you know, pre-maybe some, some self-realizations, you know, I think Rent for a lot of people, and especially a lot of queer people, is like the first time where they really felt like seeing themselves, you know, to a certain extent represented in like the big Broadway musical repertoire. Was that your experience as well, Heather? Are there other shows where you where you feel like, you know, something else like resonated before that? As far as like in in a gay way th- through a musical yeah. or well, also just seeing yourself on stage in some way. I, I have to go with Rent also. I think it was the first time I felt like, okay, I know these people. These people are my friends. This is a part of the community. Because I lived in New York City in my in my 20s. And so, yeah, I, I love that show. I think that I'm going to go with Ellie on that one. Have you ever, living in New York City with probably a bunch of bohemian friends. Have you ever done a uh, lovey bohem like at a cafe? I think it just <laughs> happened. <laughs> Don't lie now. Don't lie. <laughs> I just want to see it. I just think it'd be hilarious. So we had a club night called Hippie Chicks that mm-hmm. we did. And so that was that moment for us. And, you know, every, I think, Wednesday night or something, we'd meet at this dive bar in the East Village. And we'd all dress, you know, very 60s and 70s. And um, we would perform and sing. And everybody would, you know, if any, if, you, if anybody knew the words to the song you were singing, everyone would sing along. And we were those kids, for sure. We, we went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, where my group of friends um, all met. And it's so funny, all of our, like, parents and aunts and uncles would be like, do you go to the fame school? And like, no, it's the American Academy of Fame School. <laughs> but but that was the idea. I mean, when I when I applied to go to that school, I, I thought it was um, the fame school. I, I later learned that that's LaGuardia High School. I think it's, I don't know if it's in the Bronx or um, I think I've seen, Harlem. I think it's in the Upper remember. West Side. The Upper West sure. Side. Okay, yeah, because so, I think I've seen it. Did was your high school like fame though, even though it wasn't the fame high school? Um, my high school, no. My high school was just a regular high school. I went to high school actually in Florida, and that was just a regular high school where I was in the chorus a lot. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> and oh, I will tell you one other funny 
I, you know what other musical I could really relate to was, we just were talking about it, Fame. And it just reminded me, this is just a side story. In chorus class, I would really try to sing like that in that last song, The Body Electric. I sing the body. She's very nasal, the way she um, sings. So I was really trying to emulate that. And I got, um, you know, we got grades for chorus class. And um, I, I was told I scooped a lot. And I was like, well, I'm trying to sound like the girl from fame in, in the body electric. Like, I, um, it's, it's intentional. It's a stylistic choice. Yes, so it's an yeah. intentional You're choice. <laughs> anyway, that's just a side story. So I digress. So no, I love that. But it's like a diva side story in some ways. And so we love it. I love it. I love <laughs> it. it. It's perfect for here. Okay. So you know that the musical fame has a character named Lamb Chops in it. I don't know if the character is in the movie. Okay. I'm not sure. I would have to check. But the character of Lamb Chops Mm -hmm. is, like, super gay. She is a female drummer. Like, she's always late. She, like... Canonically gay or, like, like, should have been gay? She just seems so gay to me. Okay. So I feel like in terms of fame, like, Lamb Chops is very relatable. (laughs) That's all. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and also just I mean, we, we do need to up our Broadway topics for, for the Should Have Been Gays list. Have we done anything other than Wicked? We did Wicked. What's funny is, okay, we can, we can talk about Rent, and I'm sure we will continue to talk about Rent, but I was trying to think of, like, you know, other than, like, now you have, like, prom and everything, like, what are other places where I think, like, the queer community has really felt that pull and resonance and, you know, like, seeing themselves up on stage. It's funny that so many people, Wicked is where that was. <laughs> it's, I don't know why, but there it is, you it's know? Just it's just, it's, it's a should have been gay that everybody, everybody latches onto. I have a question for Heather. What is another musical that you feel like it's not canonically gay, but it should be gay? Uh oh, um, <laughs> it's like a secret quiz. Well, it's funny because in Dear Evan Hansen, did you guys see that? Dear Evan, no, Hansen? but I've I've heard the music. It's so good, isn't it? Um, yeah. I feel like they could be gay. The well, it's a it's a big story, but um, but two of the lead characters in that it could have it could have gone down a gay road. Wow. Is it also because it's Ben Platt that it, that it feels gay? No, no, not at <laughs> or all. Or it's another he, character. He was You're out- just projecting, Ellie. <laughs> he was outstanding. He really was amazing. When we talk about representation, we talk about representation a lot in, like, TV and movies. But I do actually feel like, like, musicals are gay. Why do you think gay people love musical theater? Do you think it's the majority of people that like musical theater are gay? I don't know, but is I feel like question? also, or, okay, better question is, m- why are most people who do musical theater gay? <laughs> <laughs> why is musical theater such a stereotypically gay right? thing, It right? is, though. Is it is. Part. For women and oh, men, yeah. you think? I think it's stereotypically more for men, but I feel like m- I know so many queer women who are very, very heavy into... Musicals. Broadway musicals. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. I did not. I, I never thought about this. There's a market out there, I'm telling you. Well, <laughs> to answer your question, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I can connect to that. I mean, for me, it's imagination and it's color. It's, it's the flair. It's, flam, it's flamboyant. And I say that for women and for men and for every pronoun of person. 
I just think it's because it's fun and, and it's so vulnerable and you can be, you can be exaggerated in musical theater. And it appeals to every, I think, to a lot of people. Of course, some people like despise it. It makes them uncomfortable. But I think that thing that makes people uncomfortable in musical theater is that flamboyance and that just putting it all out there um, and making, you can, being silly and yet being fabulous and just like the dancing and the singing and the harmonizing and the, that's my answer. Well, and it's also like, it's and so many times like those things that that become the most like outwardly expressive flamboyant parts they're like the inner parts of the people it's like it's the thing that i that I, like i always love about uh about musicals so much is that i mean sure like there's a lot of a lot of musicals where the song is like here's the plot we're moving the narrative along we're doing things but it's also like there's a lot of it that is like here's all the quiet inside stuff and the quiet inside stuff is gonna come out like this and you're like okay <laughs> the quiet inside yes. stuff needs yeah. to be screamed out yeah. like needs to be screamed out i feel like that's very relatable for queer people in some ways you know <laughs> like i just want to take all these inner parts of me and like belt them at the top of my lungs with a beautiful like orchestration underneath me and you're like yes <laughs> i want that too <laughs> Well, I really understand what you are saying. <laughs> and nothing that you're saying seems so new. How amazing would it be if we just did the entire rest of all the right, episode? So this, the rest as, of this, we're like, just going to sing the whole thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> you all oh didn't know God. we're doing an improv musical right now. <laughs> this isn't just a podcast that we're playing. <laughs> I see that there's a keyboard right behind you. I think... We should play a song. Oh my god. I would do it if you wanted me to, but I am not prepared. It doesn't have to be very long. <laughs> <laughs> we can do this all night. Okay, I'm gonna... So we I'm, should I'm hang out and re- all in, when, but like... When COVID's oh over, god. it's just like, clearly we need to hang out. Yes. yes. This is amazing. Oh my god. That's, um, you know, there is a podcast that does that, though. They do like an impromptu uh It's actually musical. really incredible. It's I, really, I love listening really to great. it. It's fantastic. If you haven't checked it out, I'm totally blanking on the name of it right now. I will I will look it up at some point. But that's what they do is like they come up with a, a rough kind of plot. Um, and it's usually it's like the two hosts and a guest. And that's they just make up a musical for the episode. And they're amazing. And that's that's like my dream life. That's what I want to live every day of my life. <laughs> so what's going on with your musical? When is that coming to fruition? Good question. Hopefully by the time this airs, we will be sort of further along in the process. Right now, as of the recording of this, we're we're kind of just getting ready to start putting out some casting stuff. We're starting writing episodes, scripts. I've got maybe half of the songs yeah, kind of done. Yeah, we like 10 songs about written, yeah. which is wow. a lot of songs. So um, we're, we're on a good, definitely. good pace. Yeah. Yeah, but it was but it's another interesting thing where it just feels like there's it's surprising to me that there are still new places to look to go with musicals cuz it's, you know, like musicals are not new. <laughs> I mean, they've they've been around for a while and and Ellie and I as both like, you know, huge musical theater nerds and everything started looking to see like has anyone done like musical podcasts like a like an audio fiction style podcast but that's a musical because there's a ton of audio fiction out there now and surprisingly like very very few people have i mean we found i think like three three that are out there and so we just said hey 
Let's do there's, it. There's a hole in that market so right it's, there. It's an episodic podcast mm-hmm. musical. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's going to be like an eight-episode arc that is basically like an uh, like you know like an audio fiction but just done in the style of uh of a musical so that's extremely cool well you've got you've got me i'll I'll come and listen to that that sounds amazing (laughs) well heather why don't you tell us about your projects because you have yeah yours are are like you're working on actually happening yeah uh well i mean i think you kind of probably are experiencing this but like you there's a lot of going back to the drawing board in writing a musical and there's so many act twos or, or I find very challenging. Um, so right now with one of my shows, we're in the middle of a rewrite again. And it's we've rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. And one cool thing about our show, and I feel like this is probably with any um, body of work, there's so many different stories you can tell. And, and so we're just kind of honing in exactly on the specifics of the story that we're telling. Um, but it takes place in Hollywood back in the late 50s into the early 60s. And um, right now, well, it was called The Show Must Go On, but right now the working title is Tinseltown. So we'll see what nice. ends up in, in lights. But yeah, it, it, and it does um, talk about what was going on back there and the secrets and the scandals that were um, happening and, and what it took to make it back then. So it's a lot of fun. It's a really fun kind of musical that's has like that pop sensibility of my writing as far as music goes, but also is reflective of some of the music of that time. I love it, especially like those classic musicals where like oh, you yeah. have like the dance sequences, yeah. you have like the horn section. It's, it's like, an, like it's an, I call it an old fashioned new musical, like an old style yeah, music. It. Like, it It is the one thing that I have to say about doing like as much as I find it fascinating trying to do a musical from the perspective of putting it out as just audio. Um, I do sometimes find myself missing. I'm like visualizing in my head, you know, I'm like, oh, we could have this great like dance chorus number going on in the back. And like, <laughs> Lee, but- I'm like, I've never said this to you, but I literally think it'd be a hilarious audio gag to have a tap number. <laughs> like, and literally like, I'll just take tap shoes. I'll like tap them on my desk. Like, <laughs> Nobody can see it, uh, but, like, there's a tap number. That would be <laughs> hilarious, at least for you and I, if nothing else, right? I mean... Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see about that. It could be a progressive um, it, it piece. Is. It's like you miss, you miss that, you know, as people who, like, who have just lived, like, in the theater for so long, it's like you... There are times where I find myself missing that side of it, you know? And I bet, like, that, yeah, doing, like, a, a 50s, 60s kind of, like, uh, you just, you, I mean, you need that. You need yeah. the, you need the beautiful dancers in the background. Or, like, a good morning, good morning, good morning. Yeah. One of your shows you already, like, put up live, correct? Yeah. So maybe talk to us a little bit about what, like, Asley's saying, like, you visualize it, you've written it, and then you actually get to see it on stage. What it is was, that like? It was it was an amazing experience. And this was like in the mid-2000s. I wrote a musical called Dear Bernard, and it was loosely based on my mom's life story. My mom um, was English, and she came over here as an au pair. She started as an au pair in Long Island, New York, and um, she eventually moved to New York City, and she worked for this photographer, and she kind of became a hand model. Like, she, he would bring her in for, like, hand modeling and, like, to model some hats. And I kind of elaborated that to make her this huge body parts model. She came to America, and she became this huge body parts model. And um, she was just, like, known for everything but her true self. 
Mm-hmm. It was really, it was definitely um, very Fosse inspired on stage. Catherine Kendall choreographed all the dancing and did all the um, costumes and they were incredible. And we did it here in a, I think I want to say it was like maybe a hundred seat theater. We did it in two different theaters, one at the Zephyr Theater, one at the Court on La Cienega in Los Angeles, but it's not existing anymore. But it ran for quite some time and it was a cast, we were like, we were like the ca- uh, the cast in uh, Waiting for Guffman. I don't know if you know. Do you know what Waiting for Guffman is, you guys? I know of oh, it. Oh, oh! I have I just have given you such a it. gift. Okay. Yes. So I just want you to, when you have time, that is a huge recommendation. Then you'll know what I'm talking okay. about. Waiting for Guffman. Um, it's by Christopher Guest. It's a Christopher Guest um, yeah. movie. Amazing. It's so funny. Anyway, um, it was the cast was made up of a lot of my friends and my friends' friends. We didn't have auditions. I was I cast myself as my mom, and it was a blast. It was so much fun, and I think that's what made it kind of, you know, popular. Is that everybody in the cast? A lot of like faces you would recognize. A lot of working actors. It it was off Broadway level the way the show kind of came together, which I think was a good thing and maybe a little bit not a good thing. And I say not a good thing because I think people saw it and they thought they saw a finished product where, you know, instead of like where it could actually go. But we had such a good time and such a good run and it was amazing. Well, hold hold that thought for one second because we're gonna take a quick break, hear from some sponsors, and then I wanna I, I wanna dig into that show a little bit more too. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Okay, so we're talking about the first show that you put on. I'm I'm curious because I obviously for Ellie and I like we are just this small indie. It's just the two of us, and so we kind of you know the same way we decided to start the podcast one day and then just started recording ourselves. We also just said, hey, we we could write a musical and and let's just see what it would take to make that happen. But I'm curious, like, what was the what was the spark for saying, like, I'm going to make this happen? Like, where did that start? And then how did it get to that point? Okay, well, you know how everybody in Hollywood, they're like, yeah, I got a script I'm working on. Okay, well, I had a, I had my dream of Broadway. And I turned to my partner at the time, and I said, we were on a plane together, and I said to her, I said, you know, I'm going to write, I'm going to write a musical. And she turned to me and she said, are you kidding me? When are you going to get real? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh my God! And then you were like, "Well," I'll and then I said, "Oh yeah, you more. should hang out with us more." That's what I'm learning from this conversation. <laughs> and then I said, "Oh yeah," um, and then and then I got right to work. And so nice. that was when I I wrote the musical. And then I just called all my creative friends and I said, "Do you want to get involved with this?" And so we just they said yes. And when they said yes, we were on our way. Did you also happen to, like, whip out an acoustic guitar and start singing, like, you suck, that's a bad answer. (laughs) That's, like, that's the answer equivalent of, like, chucking a dip can at you. That's no good. You can't do that. 
I know, but I'm really determined. That's I did that with the New York City Marathon too. You'll never run the New York City Marathon. <laughs> I've done it I three love times. It. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so you just need people to keep telling you you can't do things, and then you'll yes. do that. Yes. Well, th- that is oh that gosh. is the truth. I mean, it's that definitely lights a fire underneath me. But um, I I never think that I can't do something. And my dream with the musical theater thing is, um, yeah, I'm dreaming about Broadway, but. For me, I feel like I'm going to work so hard at pushing this um, for the next, you know, decade or maybe more, who knows. But I don't want to look back at the end and say, I didn't try my hardest to get there. And I love the process so much. And I love writing and I love composing and I love workshopping and being in the theater world. I love it so much that there's, there's no losing in the process. That's it. I've always been a dreamer. Pie in the sky. I'm like, I'm going to cry, but I'm not going to (laughs) cry. But I just, your energy is really infectious and I'm just really happy that you're here. It makes me also feel like we can do it too. Yeah. It's also like, that's, that's you, you and Ellie very much have that in common as, as personality things, I will say, because that's you too, Ellie. You're just like, I have a thing. Let's reach for the stars. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, I'm always sort of like the, the, you know, I mean, of course, I'm the mom of our pairing. I'm like the let's be reasonable and rational and think about what's realistic and set good goals for ourselves. Um, But it's like, you know, we we meet somewhere in the middle. Action items to make this dream happen. Yes, which I appreciate. We we meet somewhere in the middle, and it still ends up being like way higher than I ever would have reached on my own. You know, so it's. That's it's good. You, you it's need good. that. You got to have those people. You, nothing's going to get done without those people, I think. So. Yes. So you talked a little bit about writing, about workshopping. Can you talk a little bit about like what is workshopping? How does a show get from the first stages to workshops to Broadway? Let's be clear. I haven't gotten a show to Broadway yet, but here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but you will. <laughs> but I will. But we believe in you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Slash, I mean, I hear you can't, so get on hey. it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, um, gotta get on it. I'm just trying to provide the inspiration. Well, with Dear Bernard, <laughs> I was so fortunate because my friends who produced it with me and got involved, they were all super supportive. And so I just felt like it was this family of friends that just came together and said, let's just do this. And we just had fun, fun, fun. And like I said, we put on basically a miniature Broadway show. So I mean, people, it was perceived as like, oh, hello, you're here. And so it ended up coming down to money um, for Dear Bernard because we did get invited to London, like the off West End, like at the Riverside Studios, but we couldn't we couldn't raise the money to do it. So that's why it kind of fell to the wayside. Here I am with this show. We've already workshopped it um, once in Los Angeles. And what that looks like is it, we can more of a reading, I should say. We we did a proper staged reading, which was so different than Dear Bernard with the costumes and the dancing and this and that. It was more like you have a music director and you have a director and you get an incredible cast. You know, you said you were sending it out to cast your script out to casting right now. Seeing people that could like, that had these like, possibly some of them had been on Broadway, some like just these great resumes of musical theater, sing your songs and, you know, read the words off the page. That is, I think, the, the way that things go. And then you, you invite your friends or the people you really trust to something like that. And then you get the feedback so that you can kind of like bring the show to the next level of where it needs to be. But you're just kind of starting out 
you know, at a high level of professionalism. And there's so many actors that, that want to work out there and it does cost some money. So you have to figure out where you're going to raise that money. But that to me was the proper first step. Like I said, we're going back, not to the, I said to the drawing board at the beginning of this, but you know, it's not because it's a process. It's like building, 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 um, and evolving in the way that it's supposed to. I, I think that is the way to go. I think it's like, you create a stage reading. Well, for what you're doing, it's completely, it's it's a platform that I hadn't heard of before. And I think it's really, really good. A great idea. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. We are hoping. No, you're just going to do it and it'll be great. You know, yeah. You'll, yeah. If, you, if you put love into something, I just don't see how it can not be good. If it's done with like the best of intentions, no matter what, it's going to be fun. It'll be a great experience for you and it'll there are yeah. going to people be people that enjoy it. And oh gosh, those critics, they need to do something for themselves. I mean, come on. <laughs> We're all just trying to grow. Feedback is great, right? Feedback is yeah. great, but like the meanness, mm-mm. Bye. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also like, it's funny because going into it, well, and and I mean, I, we should dig into this, I think, with your shows as well, because I'm assuming, I mean, so Dear Bernard, you said it's based on your mom's life, so, which I'm assuming... Loosely, loosely based. Well, sure, loosely. <laughs> um, I you, you didn't specifically say with Tinseltown, but I'm curious also, like, is there any, like, actual queer yes flavor in there yes very much it, very much so yeah that's it, it's funny because like you know when ellie and i started doing this and and deciding like you know we're gonna make a musical and of course for us we're like great it's gonna be about as gay, gay as, as we can, can make get. it like, <laughs> just everything that you could fit in there you know i mean because we always talk about that idea where like you know you watch shows or movies or something and it's always like oh and then there's the one gay character and we're mm-hmm. like what group do you know that has the one gay friend in it like come on we're like if you have one gay person you have 15 gay people like it's just it's so unlikely and, back, and yeah. also our our setting is a lesbian bar that's being shut down so we're like who in this cast is straight, right? Like, come on. It's it's as gay as you could hope. And so that was something that, like, for us, that's what we want to see. That's what we want to put out there. Do we particularly care or have any expectations of what critics will think of that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, not writing, we're not writing it for critics. We're writing it for gay people to have a show of fun songs sung by gay people that are, you know, like, clearly canonically gay. So... <laughs> It's, it's a slightly different wait, wait, goal, wait. I what think. What was in that the word? End. Canonically? Yeah. Oh my okay. I see what we're working with here. <laughs> <laughs> so so you are you the lyricist? Who's the lyricist? Lee. Well, I'm I'm oh, writing right. all the songs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was that's like right out of a Stephen Sondheim song. Canonically. <laughs> Canonically? I think so. That's, it's a really good oh, word. I've never heard a, it yeah, before. It does it sounds yeah. nice. <laughs> we probably say it all the time on here because when when we're talking about stuff that should have been gay versus like what was actually gay, you know, I think like that idea comes up a lot. And it is, I think there's a lot, there's starting to be more, more so now, I think slowly the, the increase in queer media is like making its way into Broadway as well. I will say Broadway does have a lot of gay storylines. Lesbian storylines, though? Maybe not as many lesbians, but, like, Fun Home, obviously, yeah. was a big one. Um, but, I mean, if you go back of, to, like, like, the classics, yeah, like, the, I mean, the know. classics are always going to be, like, mm-hmm. we haven't, we don't have gay people in media for a very long right. time. It's not like, here's the huge gay storyline in Miss Saigon and Jekyll and Hyde. Yes, like, you yes. don't, you don't have those. We've never had Phantom those, of the you Opera. Know? Les Mis. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, we, oh. Do, oh, we did do Phantom of the Opera, too, Ellie. Yeah, we did. 
We did. There we go. I love I love Les Mis. Me too. Les Mis is <laughs> I do too. I mean, it's I'm not ragging on them for that. I just think like it's it's that's a, a an area I think that's still sort of it's a slower process, I think, you know. Yeah. Um and I think there's a lot more that goes into making most musicals than, you know, like a, a lot of other script stuff that can probably be turned around faster, I imagine. I say having no experience in any of it. <laughs> well, I don't know, Heather, being on the other end of it, do you find that it's difficult to get funding if you have like a more quote-unquote controversial script? I know the controversial is like feels stupid to say it for like gay stuff, but you know what I'm saying. I think that's a fair question and I don't know. I don't know the answer. I think... In in this day and age, it, if if it's good, you're gonna get the money for it. That's good. That's yeah. very good to hear. <laughs> I think so. Ellie's writing so that down you, in a notebook somewhere. <laughs> I think so. If it's you know, people that want to invest in the arts just they just want it to be good. But I did. This is just a random thing. When I was raising money for Dear Bernard, I went to this one woman's office, and she, and I said, "So, do you think you'd like to invest?" And she said, "Honey." The theater is couture, okay? <laughs> Meaning, like, you're not going to make any money. Oh, my <laughs> God. I was like, oh, nice. the theater is couture. That's right. Because it, it is, it, I think it is a, a difficult platform um, to make money in, for sure. I mean, Broadway is is a real, is, is the top of the heap. Yeah. Top of the heap. <laughs> yes. cra- we um, just can't stop ourselves. I know, we can't. I'm like, speaking of difficulties in Broadway, obviously we're in, like, a very different time right now for Broadway than we were a year ago. In these unprecedented times, Ellie. In these <laughs> unprecedented times. But but really, like, what do you think the future of Broadway and musical theater looks like after the COVID pandemic? Well, obviously, I don't know. But I, I know that Netflix just bought Diana, the musical. Did you guys oh, hear nice. about that? That's um, awesome. And they were about hmm. to go into previews. And they're going to, I believe they're going to film it the way they filmed Hamilton. Oh, wow. You know, and so it'll be available to see in that kind of format. Like, so it's a stage format. I don't know. I'm going to turn the question back to both of you. Like, would is that something that you would tune into to see, even though you love musicals? I would. See, it is actually a very valid question because I have to admit, I still haven't watched Hamilton on Disney+. I haven't Plus. either. I, I haven't, haven't watched Hamilton, but that's only because I just can't convince my wife to sign up for one more streaming service <laughs> these days. If we had Disney Plus, I would have watched it like a million times already. I'm- I have Disney Plus, but I there's like something about live theater that I know cannot exist on this streaming. It doesn't, but it's also like I don't know. I I still think there's something fun about seeing even when it's filmed, like, seeing shows like that, you know? Yeah. Like, cause we, and we have a ton of, like, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but, like, we've watched, like, uh, my wife has a ton of, um, like, Cirque du Soleil DVDs that, like, she's always loved and stuff, and so it's like, we'll watch those. And I've always done, there's, like, there's actually a huge musical theater, there's, like, a French musical theater group that would put on, like, these massive productions every year that I've always, like, followed and and like you know my dad would same thing like my dad would always buy the the cds and the dvds and everything but it's not like i would ever like fly back there to see the show so it's like i've only ever seen them filmed you know 
it isn't the same, but there's still something that, like, I still enjoy seeing them. I mean, I, I think, like, if you're a musical person, like, if you're the kind of person who can say, like, oh, I've never seen this show staged, but I've read through all of the, like, plot things with the music up and the lyrics up and I and like if you you know the kind of like musical theater nerds who were like oh I've listened to the soundtrack and like put the show together in my head and I loved it I feel like you can you can get by with like watching a filmed version of it you know I think yes. that's a smaller demographic though don't you it is than the people that I mean, go that, to New York City to see a show and you know that's it a part is, of but at the same time, like, there's so little being made right now. Like, it might be a great time to win some of those people over, you know? I mean, if if you can get something up, that's new. And also, I'm like, this is just me venturing to guess. I feel like this might be an East Coast elitist thing that's coming out. <laughs> because I live in Boston, so, like, I've always been like, if I'm gonna see a show, like, I'll I need to go to New York and see it. But there's a million people who live nowhere near New York City. Right. Who probably would die to see a show from right. their living room. But like I so I'm like, wait, I'm checking myself. I'm like, I think that this is a this is something that I need to like get over my snobbery about. Yeah, right. Whereas like I'm pretty sure the number of shows I've seen on Broadway actually is probably like three. I like I mean, it's just, you know, if you don't have that uh, have that option all the time, you get used to just with the peasant life down here, Ellie. It's fine. I know. I guess I'll Shows get used are to also it. expensive, right? Yeah, so, they are. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I hope Broadway comes back. I hope uh, theater comes back because there's nothing like sitting in the audience and watching the performers on stage. I feel strongly that it will come back. It's just going to take a while for us to get back there. So it's mm-hmm. like, what do we do in the interim? Which right. I do think the Netflix stuff, the Disney Plus, like, it's an acceptable alternative. But you're Broadway so generous. And like live theater, like, will come back because, yeah, like, it's a vital part of the human experience, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I agree. Well, and it, it is something that, I mean, I think. The the demographic of, like, your hardcore musical nerds is small, yes, but I think there is something that resonates with a lot of people about musicals, you know? I mean, I understand, like, we have talked to people who are like, I just don't get musicals, and we're like, what's wrong with you? But I know those people <laughs> And I'm I know like, those I'll people show are... <laughs> you the right musical. You just have to like, the right one. Ellie's like, let me drop a bar. Let me sing for you right now. Um, <laughs> I know those people are out there, but I do also think that, like, I think there is more of, you know, the general population that still just enjoys theater, enjoys musical theater, you know? I mean, it is. There's just... People like music. Everyone likes music. I don't know why people somehow feel like putting music in your, your you know, general media entertainment somehow wouldn't make it automatically better. better. It's automatically better. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Everything's improved with music in it, so... You're right. You know, shows... Movies, showers, dinners, I mean, just anything. <laughs> anything. anything. Slap some music in there. Car rides. Everything. <laughs> General conversations between humans, you know, just anything. Yes. Anything is better with music. <laughs> the other day I put some karaoke on and I was just yes. like singing. <laughs> we sing some, oh. having some Broadway moments with some karaoke. My wife. And I was like, there was one, my, my voice like fully cracked. It was completely out of, I didn't realize how the octave was going to change so dramatically. It's like, I think for a male 
um, a male voice. And sh she looked at me, she, like her eyes raised with my voice, like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what happened just oh then. Oh, my God. But at Wait, least I was so aware where did that you, it was like. Where did you do this karaoke? At my kitchen table. Nice. <laughs> you know, I went up and to YouTube and I was like, I want to sing um, For Good from Wicked. Because did you see that viral thing with Kristen Chenoweth that she did? It was like, no. she was at the Hollywood Bowl and she, I think it was the Hollywood Bowl. And she invited somebody up to come sing For Good. I think it's For Good or For, for Good. Video. For Good, yeah. For Good on stage. And she knocked it out of the park, this woman. She she sang the oh, Adina wow, Menzel. Oh, really? part uh, it was unbelievable it's something to look up but anyway i ever since i saw that even though of course i saw it in the in the musical i was like oh god i really i want to like i want to practice i want i want to be prepared i want to be prepared just in case Kristen pulls you up no just like in case for karaoke <laughs> in general because whenever i'm in any kind of karaoke environment i blank on what i need to perform and i don't know if it's supposed to be a challenge or if i'm supposed to give it my all or if i'm mm. supposed to go into character i don't know who i am as a karaoke person mm. so i don't know what my identity is <laughs> so i was just playing around and i was singing for good i did that and it like pointed out what who sang what and that was really fun and then i went into the dear evan hansen soundtrack for karaoke and i sang requiem and that's when i got caught in a little bit of a <laughs> of a pitch trap <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what we have. So we've been hosting like through through, you know, pandemic quarantine life. We've been hosting a lot of like virtual events and we've done a lot of like trivia nights. But we've also found that people have really enjoyed. We've done like some like Zoom karaoke nights where we're like, you know what? Like everyone is stuck inside. A lot of people are stuck like by themselves, you know, and it's like you just tell people like, hey, literally all it is is like. You come on, you do exactly that, you look up a YouTube link, find a song you that you just need to, like, get out of you, and, like, do it with all of us on a Zoom call, and, you know, and then you get, like, because the thing I always love about karaoke, and it's, it's always so funny when you talk to people who don't love karaoke, and they're like, but I'm not very good, and I'm like, there is no better place to suck than karaoke, because it does not matter. Like, karaoke audiences exist for one reason, which is to pump you yes. up. Like, they are the ultimate hype crowd. It doesn't matter how bad you are. They are going to cheer like you are the best person they've ever seen, you know? It reminds me, what you're saying reminds me of America's Got Talent, and when that person gets up there after a few drinks and they just knock it out of the park, and you're just like... Oh my God. You just, yeah, you're yeah. just rising to your feet. You can't believe yeah. it. Yeah. I will say too, Heather, if you need help, I literally love karaoke so much. <laughs> I have, and to piggyback off of what Lee said, well, there's two rules that I have for karaoke. And the number one is get the people going. <laughs> so no matter Smart. what, like if you sing a song that everyone loves, it doesn't matter how you sound, they will love it. Are they going to be singing with you? Is that why? Yeah. They're going to get involved I in I feel it? like you always want the crowd to sing along, right? When you're in, well, I mean, now it's a little bit difficult, right? But <laughs> yeah, you want people to sing along. People care more about the song than they actually care about the person on stage. Okay. That's I so feel funny. like a karaoke. That's so yeah, funny. I think so. Number two, this is this is something that I always say to my singer friends, but... If your only reason for singing a song is to show off, don't sing it. 
I don't know why. That's exactly, I understand. This is my dilemma. I can't, there's, well, first of all, I'm unprepared. I don't have a repertoire, so... I can't show off. I had you one, had so I had one or two songs. We'll, <laughs> you know, we'll you throw know, another you know karaoke so night songs. and uh, we'll find you something, okay? I believe in us. Yes. With our powers combined, we'll find you something to sing. We'll do it for good. And it'll be completely yes. out of sync. It's, and the God, lag will be horrible. It's the only thing I know. It's killing me. The Zoom karaoke nights, you can't really do duets because the, the latency makes it impossible to like sync two people up. And it that does. is killing me. I wish we could do it so badly. It's We've so tried. Sad. We keep trying every time, but it doesn't really work. That's but very I, I love karaoke nights because it is. It's just, it's like, I just need people to, to like celebrate music with me, but I need it to be coming from me right now. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> and that's what they do and i think it's i think it's great but well ha- we have to do another karaoke night ellie yes we'll have we to do in there <laughs> yes we do this has decided it well and there is i mean so so just because one uh, last thing that i think i, I do want to say also in terms of like all of this before we probably jump to to q and gays yeah. is that you know i think there is also something about like that sense of putting like a queer spin or a queer gloss on things as well because even like with the karaoke we've seen it you know that it's like sometimes people are just like i love this song but like i want it sung by like a woman you know and like we actually do uh, we have a a youtube and we do like a whole series that we call renegade covers where we do covers of songs and we say like putting the gay in renegade and so we just do covers of songs that are out there that exist but just like queer them up a bit so like you know do a do a duet What's the one that you did from Wicked? I'm blanking on the name of it now. Oh, um, I'm like, why can't I think of it? As long as you're mine. As long as yeah. you're mine, yeah, yeah. right? And it's like, as long as you're mine, but you just have two girls sing it, you know? And it's like, you'll find so many musical theater nerds out there who are just like, oh my God, yes. Like, I needed that, you know? Or like the last one we did, Ellie and I did Suddenly Seymour, but just with two girls. We didn't even change the name. We just changed the, the, the pronouns. pronouns. We just yeah. we just said, like, suddenly she- Seymour, she purified me, you know? And I'm like, it's 2020. You can have a lesbian named Seymour. What, <laughs> why, why not? That's true. <laughs> there's, there's no rules anymore. People connect to music, whether it's musicals, whether it's karaoke, whether, you know, like, Ellie and I met through acapella. We're both big acapella nerds. Like, Wait a there's... second. Like, harm- like, the harmony situation? Yes, oh, the, har- yeah. the, the harmony situation. The That's harmonies, a really good acapella The mouth name. harmonies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like from like, Pitch Perfect. What? Um, can you please give me a little bit of something? You guys were in a, sh- in a thing together? No, we group? were not together. We were we not, were in, a not in a group together. It's also, I mean, same thing. Like, you can't sing together over Zoom calls. It doesn't really Ugh. work. I wish we could. But we could send you some great uh, contemporary acapella if you need it. Yes, we can I send you some. Videos. I just want to hear you guys, you you gals. Sorry, <laughs> we'll, we'll send you something. Like we'll record something right after this and send it over. <laughs> me, 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 me. It's actually the very first uh, <laughs> yeah, first thing we ever put up. Yeah, right. <laughs> I literally have one sitting next to me in this room. So really, <laughs> oh god, yeah. The very first thing we ever put as music that we did on the podcast together was an acapella parody version of my favorite things that I wrote for Carol, because that's how we started writing songs for the movies, um, is we did a recap of, of Carol, the the movie with Kate Blanchett, and we did it for, like, a Christmas episode. That was, like, our Christmas episode that year. And so I wrote us, like, a spoof version of my favorite things. I was like, that was my gift to to Ellie for that episode, which she immediately, like, sat down, put it in, like, a four-part harmony. Arranged she, like, it, said, yeah. yeah, she, like, arranged oh it, gosh. sent me two parts 
two parts back and she's like, you sing these, I'm going to mix it for us. I was like, okay. <laughs> oh my cool. gosh, that is okay, so great. cool. That is so cool. <laughs> we'll send it to you. You'll, we'll we'll get send all the it things. to you. Really? It's oh ridiculous. my gosh, I'm so excited. Yes. That's going to be yes. awesome. But yeah, I mean, I just, I think my point is there's a lot of music that I think people still like you know it hits home i think people want that so i do not doubt broadway's gonna come back musical theater is gonna come back it's just we're gonna have to wait for it and, um, in the and meantime, while we're waiting heather's gonna workshop you know. all of her musicals <laughs> yeah. and by the time broadway comes back Look multiple out. musicals will be on well, yeah, broadway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. all for sure you'll heather. hit the ground running i love it <laughs> I really do believe in you. I'm very excited to Thanks. see whatever comes from you on Broadway. I'm super excited. Work entitled Tinseltown. We're ready. Yes. All right. It's time for our Q and Gay. Let's do it. Q. 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 And. And. and, and gay. gay. Question one for you. <laughs> it's going to be hard for me to do this. Um, are you a musical theater gay? A. Sure. I like musicals. B. No. C. Who am I? Two, four, six, oh, one. <laughs> I think it has to be it has to be that one. Yeah, there you go. I figure if you really love musicals, it will it will always. It be has C. to be that. Yeah, you should C, have made for all sure. of these had like lyric answers. That I know. I'm sorry. Hilarious. I was only creative for the first one. <laughs> Question two: What was the first musical you fell in love with? Out of these choices, A. Rent, B. The Lion King, C. Les Mis, or D. Dream Girls. It could also be a write-in if you have another. Musical. A write-in is acceptable, yes. But Twitter polls only have Les Mis came before Rent, so I'll say Les Mis. Okay, good choice. All right, number three: Are you A. Maureen, B. Joanne, C. Collins, or D. Angel? I think I'm Angel. Angel. <laughs> I love that. Why do you say that? I'm curious. I mean, just because Angel loved life and Angel saw the bright side of everything. And I just I just loved her perspective. I love that as well. This is going to be Ellie's new, like, you know, tell me your whole astrological chart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which it's not what's your you? sign. It's what role from rent are you? <laughs> Question <Whoa>. four. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever written a musical? A, yes, B, no, or C, not yet? A. There you go. All right. I'm hoping we get a lot of not yets out there, though. I, I know, I me too. I hope this inspires some people. All right, question number five. If you could star in any musical, would it be A, Chicago, B, Spring Awakening, C, Hamilton, or D, Phantom of the Opera? None of the above. I'm going to add E, Funny Girl. Yes. Yeah, a classic. Don't random my would you from that, right? Yeah. I'm like, is it, don't I don't know if it's that or Hello, Dolly, parade. but yes. I'm, I'm well, almost, what would you pick, Ellie? 100%. I feel like I would pick Chicago. I don't, yeah, Chicago. Who would you be? Velma, I feel like would be really fun. Can you dance? Yeah. No, but I don't. But that's, <laughs> it's hypothetical. Oh, okay. we'll do it as a we'll do it as a podcast, and then you don't. Yeah, have to. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the vocals. Somebody oh, else whew. will be my feet. Okay. <laughs> it is. I have to say, as like someone also who like loves singing, loves acting, and like is not. I would say I'm like maybe halfway passable as as any kind of like fit, like on stage dancing. 
No, the dancing Podcast portion the of way every audition was like the most painful oh, God. moments of my life. I'm not a I am not a graceful I'm not a graceful person. I tried <laughs> when when I was in high school because I I was doing theater forever right since second grade, but I never took dance lessons. So then in high school, I'm like, if I actually want to do musicals, I need to dance. And so mm-hmm. I tried to take a dance class in high school, and like, if you're 15 taking class with with girls who have danced since they were seven mm-hmm. like it was so embarrassing and Aww. all the girls were honestly really mean it's like so so depressing actually to think about it they kept they made fun of me the whole time see whereas i just mean. went the never even try taking a class route i um, tried because i was like i need to do that's this. not better yeah and then I most just, of yeah. most of my dance is like high school shows choreographed by my mom most of the time that's like my dance experience i love it <laughs> But yeah, I still I did an entire musical um, where we put my character on, uh, I was on rollerblades. And so I was like, that's great. Because it's like, if I look awkward, it's not my fault. It's the it's the rollerblades, the wheels. I'm on wheels. So you can't do anything. I know. Do you, do you remember Starlight Express? That was like a roller skating musical. Oh, see, that would have been great. This was, we did a, when I was in high school, we did a production of um, Return of Forbidden Planet. It's all music from the 50s and 60s. It's the play of... The Tempest. It's Shakespeare's The Tempest set in space to music from the 50s and 60s. Wow. So it's a really weird show. It was huge in in uh, in like the UK for a, a long time. It was like a really big hit out there. But one of the characters is like a robot. And so I got to play a robot who was on rollerblades. I love it. <laughs> With literal like, like air duct arms, you know, like it was, I'm like the dancing was minimal requirements. So it was perfect for me. That's when I funny. went to see the Little Mermaid, they were all on roller skates. Like that's how they wow. would like swim. That's awesome. And they were dancing in roller skates. And obviously like they're on Broadway. So they were like crazy amazing dancing wow. on roller skates. I was so impressed. Wow. See, I'm not a great dancer, but I can stay upright on rollerblades, and that, that was there all you I go. needed. You could be in The Little Mermaid. Um, I will take that to my grave, Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to keep me going for a long time. Yes. Remember, you can also give us your own answers to this episode's Q&A questions on our Twitter at Les Hangout Pod. Heather, thank you so much for hanging out with us. You are such a delight. Thank I you. I just want to I want to stay on and hang out. <laughs> I, thank you so much, both of you. Seriously, this was really fun. In fact, I was even thinking of more things. That, I just want to ask a question. When Have you guys ever heard of Marie's Crisis in New York City? Yes. It's like a little Broadway bar. And we always go there. And I've been going there forever. It, it was like, it's always like the last, at the end of the night place that we used to go to. Anyway, as it's gotten more and more popular over the years. And one time I was there with my a couple of friends of mine and they were like, Sorry, it's full. You can't get in. We're like, what are you? We're the OGs of this place. What is going on? Like, do you know who we are? <laughs> anyway, it really <laughs> it hurt my. I was so devastated. I was like, I can't believe we didn't get into Marie's crisis. I don't, I don't know what's happening. Anyway, we went uh, like a, right before COVID kind of happened, and um, they were singing songs of um, you know they were singing Little Mermaid. I mean, they were singing songs like from The Lion King, and and I don't a lot of these. Disney hits. And I was really surprised because I put a couple of um, dollars in the tip jar. I mean, you know, like a nice tip to, for a song request. More more than $2 is what I meant to say. And, um, <laughs> really I, nice. Really nice. No, no, no. But I, I'm just saying, like, I put money in the tip jar and I requested a song. And I don't know if it was like from Rent, but it was some maybe something from Company, Stephen Sondheim. Oh, And yes. he's like, that's an old, that's an old one. I, 
honestly, he was acting like that was just you know, the case. Wait, company was too old for him? It was a, it was just like we need to do something a little more modern, a little more up to date for this crowd. Wow. I played Amy and Company, not getting married today. Uh-huh. Never, yeah. never, 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 never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just like let all my crazy out. It was the best. It was amazing. I love the music in that show. It's so good. Sondheim is so interesting musically. He writes the most crazy, like, crazy music. He does. Like, it's so, like, intricate and, like, random weird keys and key signatures. It's, it's like, his brain is insane. Have you guys ever seen – oh, sorry, Six by Sondheim, I was just going to say. It's a movie on him. It's, it's like a documentary. What is it? Six, six on Sondheim? Mm-mm. Six by Sondheim? Huh. Something like that. It's great. It's really, really cool. It's about him. It's also funny to me because it's like so much of my indoctrination into musical theater came from like my like my parents have always been in theater and in musicals and stuff. Um, And so that's just like my brother and I sort of grew up, you know, like we grew up like being dragged to rehearsals and uh, and all that stuff. And so it's like so much of when I used to like keep up with stuff like I feel like my deep knowledge of a lot of shows is all the older stuff and like everything new i'm like i don't have i don't have time and i never get to go you know it's like i go to broadway to see all the new shows all the time it's like if i want to keep up with the new musicals i have to do the like look up the soundtrack get the wikipedia plot up follow along you Mm -hmm. know so i'm like i i feel like i yeah i don't know i'm like i'm so much less tuned into like so many of the newer shows that are out there there's something too literally neurologically. I read this book that like blew my mind. It's called like This Is Your Brain on Music. Any songs you learned before you were 12 years old, those will always be the best songs to you neurologically. Like even yeah. if another song like music is subjective, so you can never be like this song's better. But like even if people love this music, you'll be like, oh, yeah, it's good. But you won't have the neurological response of like, this song is incredible right, for songs right. that you learned after you were like a teenager. Well, and and it's that same thing as like they always say, like the reason it's so hard to get new like Christmas carols into the market is they're like basically like in the US, a Christmas carol is any Christmas song a baby boomer sang like, you know, for three years running while they were a kid. Like it's just it's so hard to break into that. Like it has been dictated by like not just that idea but like that idea for a very specific generation that like created what is a christmas song you know yeah it's bing crosby that's a christmas song exactly exactly (laughs) that's it you know and like and there's very very few like more modern ones that kind of like manage to make the cut and like get enough airtime to like become that you know are your parents still in musical theater they are. They. It's been tough for them to do stuff so for the past few years just because they moved to Jordan for a couple of years and were teach because they're both teachers and they've always just done like kind of regional stuff, like local stuff or regional stuff. And so they, they had a couple of years where they were in Jordan and then they've been sort of like bouncing around because they live in Connecticut usually and then they sort of like moved out here to like be closer to the grandkids and like, so they've been bouncing around us a, a little But Yeah, I mean, they've been doing stuff my whole life. Like I, this is probably actually the longest I can think of that they've, that I've gone without like them being in a show of some sort. Lee's mother has the voice of an angel. Oh, yeah. My mom's got a great voice. It's gorgeous. It's the reason that I think Ellie and I work so well together, because, like, Ellie is the... I was cast as Annie of the two of us very much so as well. And I'm the, like... (laughs) I'm the, like, in my family of four, I'm easily the third best singer. So, hey. (laughs) It's... 
you know, you we each have our place in life, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I'm I'm used to this because I've grown up with my mom my whole life, and she's a great singer. But Heather, tell all of our listeners where can they find you uh, on social media or otherwise, or where can they follow uh, follow the projects that you're working on? You could go to my website, heatherreadmusic.com. You could follow me on Instagram. I think my handle is Heather Reed, and Facebook Heather Reed Music. I think. I did just release a video. It's a, okay. It's not just anymore at this point. I think it's four weeks, but check it out because it's my new song right here, right now. And I'm really proud of it. And it's a song to inspire. And I think especially during COVID right now, that's my hope. And for all the musical theater lovers, I've been told it has a little bit of a musical theater element to it, um, but it wasn't written to be that. So. And that's up on streaming stuff, Spotify, it's on YouTube. Yeah, the, the music's available on everything, Apple, Apple, everything. And um, But my video is on YouTube. And my 10-year-old boys are like trying to tell me how to get the song out there. And I just refuse to do any of their... TikTok, get it on TikTok. Their recent ideas. And Heather will be joining us on our Instagram this week. So if you have any questions, make sure you send them to our email or DM us on Instagram. I know you're going to have plenty of things to ask, Heather. Heather, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Like I said before, you have really inspired me and I really, really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. And it was seriously, it was so much fun talking to both of you. Really was. Let me hear you say hip, 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 yeah. We love hearing from you and building community, so we want to shout out some of our favorite things each episode. And I would like to shout out Hale, who sent us an email all about some should have been gay recommendations for basically every Mean Girls Squad movie, which I love because, yes, agreed. Mean Girls is on our <laughs> list. There were a few other ones on there, um, like Jawbreaker, which I have never seen, but um, they said that the director or the writer of Jawbreaker liked their posts, so they also agree it should have been gay, which I love. So we're, we're adding them to the list. Any Mean Girls Squad movie? Yeah. Agreed. So Send much gay subtext. Us. As always, we also want to thank our Lesbian Jesus patrons, Mark Foster, Jess Klaus, Tanya Ferguson, Danny Griswold, Jacqueline Rose Nishino, Sarah and Julia, Carrie Ann Lawrence, Danny Gunlock Tamora, Brittany Ray, Alana Rosen, and Tara Gleason. And our King Princess patrons, Amy and Ellen, Leah Henley, Liz Chen, and Wendy K. Bartlett. Thank you all so much for continuing to make this podcast possible. Remember, you can also find us on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Les Hangout Pod. You can send us an email at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. Or check out our website at leshangoutpod.com. Make sure that you subscribe in whatever app you listen to podcasts on. That way you'll get new episodes as soon as they go up. We're also posting videos on our YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe at youtube.com slash leshangoutpod to catch them. If you want to help support the podcast, there are so many ways that you could do that. The first, you can leave us a review and a rating on the Apple Podcasts app. It helps new people find the podcast. And if you want to support us and join our Patreon family, you can do that at bit.ly slash lespatreon. It gives you access to our exclusive Discord chat, Jackbox game nights, and ad-free episodes, and downloads of our Essential songs. So I know you and want I want to tell you all about our merch because, oh, my <laughs> God, we have such yes. cool merch. So if you want to get all of our fun designs on all sorts of things like, you know, mugs or shirts, you could do all of that at bit.ly slash lesshop. And if you want to find us individually, you can find me at Ellie Brigida on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at LSH Foster. With that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And, and let's, let's hang, hang out, out again soon. soon. Let's hang out, out, out.